You're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Voices of Value, episode 18, uh, with my good friend Peter Kakos. Pete, great response from episode 17 with Bob Wolf from last week. And for those listeners that are yet to listen to that interview, you might want to go back and have a listen to that. While you're there, you might want to check out episodes 9 and 10, which were David Knox interviews as well. Feedback I got from most of the responses I got this week were that people did both, which is great. And um, you know, it's, it's just amazing to listen to a guy who simplifies the real estate business. But we want to move away from real estate we as do. a topic today with our guest today. Pete, welcome. Thanks, Rick. And I'm thrilled with what we've just recorded because um, the listeners today are in for something incredibly special. Absolutely. Now, we always say that uh, that this is great to listen to on a commute. Now, I think this is going to be a great one to listen to on a commute. However, this is one that you need to listen to at your desk with your journal well and truly because the man who we're going about to introduce is someone incredibly special. He's probably incredibly close to us as well, Rick, but he's messaging – is just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And you're right. We, I mean, it's not all about real estate. And this show we've made really clear is about business, professionally, and personal lives as well. And Paul touches on all of this today. Mm. And so we've, we've, as you'll find from the, what I ask him right up front, is yeah. is about the challenges that he's seen. He's in the UK, seen some incredible challenges over there. But it's incredible when you you tie it all back and look at the challenges that we face here in Oz and and what they're facing over there. It's um it's amazing. You can be thousands and thousands of miles apart, but experience the same sort of thing. So we're going to get some some great tips, some great hints, and in a really simplistic way, and a great holistic message. I think that's really the key thing that I took out of that particular interview. This is someone who takes complex messages, makes them very simple to understand. More importantly, even easy to implement so I think no let's further to it do now. let's do it and Peter our next guest is someone you and I both got a great opportunity to sort of connect with on a business sort of conference across the eastern seaboard in three cities back in 2013 and then yeah six years ago six, now it's just scary how quick time flies but he is like all great motivational speakers someone who has navigated the steps from struggle to success from desperation to inspiration, someone who can see the opportunity in the difficulty. He is a world-renowned expert on mindset, but most importantly, he's somebody who has talked the talk, walked the walk with a great book that's been on bookshelves right across the globe in the self-help department, a book called SUMO, which is an acronym for Shut Up and Move On. Unlike most motivational speakers, he doesn't have complex messages. He's got very simplistic messages around what it takes to be successful, and he delivers it in a no-fuss manner. All the way from the UK, our good friend, the sumo guy, Paul McGee. Paul, welcome to Voices of Value. Hey, guys. It's it's really great to be on this show. And in fact, I'm, I'm a regular. I listen to the podcast already, so I found it hugely helpful for me personally and professionally, so it's great. It's a privilege to join you. It really is. So, Paul, it was uh, it was six years ago, Rick, wasn't it? Yeah, six years ago um, we shared a meal, and um, I heard you speak for the first time from the stage, and I was it was a remarkable message. It was a um, it was a message that I guess gee, I hadn't heard too many people sort of talk about, and it was something you could sort of 
really get to reevaluate your thinking, I guess, in so many ways. So what I'm really interested in, what we are really interested in in speaking to you about today is, well, first of all, what are you hearing, seeing, feeling out there? What are the challenges that you're, uh, you're coming across mostly on a day-to-day basis? Okay. Well, in my work, I mean, obviously I write books, but I <clears throat> predominantly do seminars, masterclasses and speaker uh, conferences. And I suppose the huge thing, which is particularly in the UK, but I think it's going to be an impact around the world, is the whole thing around uncertainty. So change is a challenge. We get that and we have to adjust to it. The problem, like particularly we've got in the UK with lots of organisations is We know change is coming, but we don't exactly know what it's going to look like and how it's going to impact us. And although as human beings, we like a degree of change and uncertainty, um, we also like predictability and we don't cope well with lots of uncertainty. So I think change, uncertainty and also just the pace of life, I think, is a huge thing. And words I'm hearing more and more, and it's been I suppose a boost for my business is when I when Sumo came out in 2005 words like resilience, well-being, mental health were not really on people's radar. We did talk about stress but not about those other things and I think increasingly people are realizing that um, it's you know life is a challenge, life is uncertain, the pace of change is rapid. And what do we do to get the best out of ourselves, to get the best out of others, to get the best out of life? And we need every tool and insight and idea we can get. So from my perspective, those are some of the things that I definitely see people wrestling with in the workplace. And I love the way you just sort of talk about your book as if it's just sort of a normal publication. But as you quite rightly mentioned there, it's been on bookshelves for the better part of 12 years, Paul, and it had its sort of 10th anniversary reprint not that long ago. It sold, yeah. you know, over the hundred odd, 120 odd thousand, I think was the last time I looked at it. It's not a book that we can just sort of say you might be able to find it somewhere. It's a book you can find if you're on the search, but most people normally get to that point at a time of desperation, not a time of you know, inspiration. So I guess one of the, the messages that we love to get our people to listen to is the message about getting proactive around your outcomes as opposed to reactive to them. And that's one of the, the big things I got out of Sumo. Can you talk a little bit more about being on the front foot and, and proactive as opposed to reactive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I was in my little uh, Ford Fiesta car, 1.1 engine in 1992, and um, I hear this audio program called Self-Esteem and Peak Performance by a guy called Jack Canfield, who was involved in Chicken Soup for the Soul Series. Mark Victor Hansen. And he said something that almost made me want to pull my car over. He said, let me give you a formula for life. E plus R equals O. And he said, it is the event, but it's also how we respond that influences our outcome. Mm. And then he almost kind of went on to his next point. But for me, it just like hit me between the eyes because up until then, I guess my life, as I looked at it in hindsight, had been E equals O. If that's the event, well, you know what your outcome is going to be. And I suddenly realized that sometimes my outcomes to events are inevitable. They're to do with whether I'm just in react mode or response mode. So my way of now trying to be proactive, I talk sometimes to people about what I call holistic success. So, sorry, being less reactive and more responsive. So I want you to imagine you've got four quadrants in front of you or four big circles. And each of those circles has a category and they all kind of blend with each other. One of them is your career or work. Um, And what I now do every weekend, I just spend a little bit of time in that quadrant 
thinking about certain things that are happening in work, what are my priorities going to be for the next week, um, what have I been learning this week, what have I got to be, uh, avoid complacency in. But my second quadrant is about relationships. And what I've realized, guys, in the past, my clients got the best of me but my family got the dregs of me. Mm. And so I'd be almost like, I want to not burn out. I want to burn bright. But what I realized was I wasn't giving the best of my family. So although I focus on my career and have some questions around that, I reflect on weekly. Now in terms of relationships, I'm thinking about things like, who, who did I connect with this week? Who, do, who made me laugh? What plans have I got coming up in the next week to maybe enhance some of my key relationships? So you've got career and work, you've got relationships, and then two others that are really part of my blend for life that have tried to make me more proactive rather than reactive. The other one is around recreation and well-being. So I actually reflect on my physical, my mental, my emotional and spiritual life and think about, you know, what am I reading? Who am I talking to? Who am I listening to? Which podcasts am I listening to? What's my mental diet like? But also, physically, am I taking enough exercise? What's my alcohol consumption? So there's, And also, which I think is a brilliant question that I'm constantly asking myself now, what did I enjoy doing this week that has engaged or relaxed me in some way? And what do I plan to do in this coming week? So those are three of the quadrants. And the final one is around contribution and giving back. And I'm just giving more of myself, reflecting on what have I done to kind of um, give back to other people in terms of my time, my talent, or maybe even my cash. And so when I now have those, that it's not a daily ritual, it's a weekly ritual where I look at those four areas of my life that can all blend together. And that's just helped me to be more proactive rather than reactive to some of the situations that go on in life. And, and I call that my life blends model and, and realizing it's not just the event, it's how we respond that influences our outcome. So, Paul, you were saying back in 2005 when Sumo came out that resilience, well-being, mental health, they certainly weren't very commonly spoken about. And I love that term, holistic success. Mm. And, um, and then talking about in your pillars, talking about the, the well-being and, the, and I love that term, mental diet. I, I think that's really, really important. Um, how much of an adjustment was that for you? And can you, could you sort of expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess, like a lot of people, um, up until I got in, I mean, my, my, my backstory is um, I, I get um, I, I, I graduate, I do a, a, a degree which incorporates behavioural and social psychology, uh, I train to be a probation officer working with criminals, but I end up working in HR with a big multinational. Within 12 months, I've lost my job through ill health um, and become ill with, I think, what you call it in Australia, chronic fatigue syndrome. At the okay. time in the UK, eight out of 10 doctors don't even believe it's a genuine illness. So I've lost my job, but I haven't always got empathy or sympathy from other people because they're just kind of like going, you're making all this up. And I was actually sent to see a psychiatrist in Liverpool, which I always say I found a humiliating experience, not going to Liverpool, but, but, but seeing a psychiatrist. <laughs> and, and what is interesting and where my, my personal development journey go goes is someone lends me an audio cassette. This is back in the late 80s. And I'm going to give you a paraphrase of a phrase that stood out for me. Talk about how 
words change worlds. I heard this phrase, um, within every adversity, there is a seed of equal or greater opportunity. And I hung on to that. And I was ill for three years. And I guess I was doing life and up until that point, very much on autopilot, fast forward, rush, 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 rush. And I suppose what that experience of my illness and then building up my business since 1991 has taught me, guys, is is to understand that I need to be more intentional in how I live life. And it's not a case of, you know, the, the old Doris Day song, Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Yeah, I get that there's certain things are out of our control, but how can I can become more intentional and proactive? And also, I use this phrase, you know, besides God, if you believe in God, who is the most important person you're ever going to talk to? And I've realized it's yourself. And those conversations we have on a daily basis are absolutely crucial. So it's an ongoing journey for me. And I've just found that people are a bit more receptive to my message now because they are realizing that just like physical health is crucial and we all need physical health, what are we doing to develop what I'd call a bit of fruity thinking, be more fruitful in the way in which we have conversations with ourselves and how can we improve our mental health? So for me, these are just huge, huge issues in life that I've had to learn the hard way in some respects. And so no wonder you've published 11 books, I think, by last count, isn't it, mate? 11 books on... That's right, yeah. The last one was called How to Have a Great Life. Yeah, which I, I just implore all of our listeners. I mean, you know, most people will be listening to this on their commute, but I'm hoping you've got the opportunity at some stage to pause, just to grab your journals, just to draw those quadrants, just to live life intentionally. I mean, if you're hearing anything, you hear three things about Paul. Number one... Sometimes the best gifts in life come very poorly wrapped. So he has chronic fatigue syndrome, doesn't even know it's a thing he can have. You know, it feels a, a bit emotionally challenged with that, you know, and then has to then work out how he's going to progress from there. This is someone who could theorize about what it takes to move from struggle to success, but this is someone who's actually lived it. So I'd, I'd like to think that you'd be able to review everything he's saying there. The second thing about that concept is, is the old saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, in this instance, it's not so much a teacher, it's more of the lessons for Paul. And the third thing that I'm hearing him say quite predominantly is something that Peter and I are absolutely passionate about, which is this business that, that you are in right now, that you're going to right now on this commute to your daily job. That's not your life. It just funds your lifestyle. So you need to be in touch with all the things that are important to you. And one of the quadrants that's so important for Paul is his recreation and his ability to you know, get back in touch with himself. Now, Following Wigan must be a challenge to allow you to do that, Paul. But, uh, but have yeah, I, I mean, have I summed that surely up? Surely well? you must have changed by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, I have I have a concept in in sumo called hippo time is okay. What are hippos doing? Mud they wallow. And, and unlike a lot of motivational type speakers, I actually sometimes say it is okay to not always feel okay. Yeah, uh, to feel mad, bad, or sad is okay. And to be fair, watching Wigan gives me plenty of time. <laughs> to experience what hippos are doing in that mud, to feel mad, bad or sad happens quite regularly. But what is quite bizarre is I'm a Manchester lad, so the two biggest sort of like soccer teams, almost two of the biggest in the world, Manchester City, Manchester United, and I end up supporting Wigan Athletic. It's a long story. <laughs> but but, but what, 
I do work with Manchester City, and that's been a fascinating experience, I have to say. Well, you've also had the inside look at uh, both the, the red side and the blue side of Manchester. So you've looked inside the United camp and have been involved there, and in, as you say, in more recent times with uh, City. What does that look like in terms of dealing with Premier League yeah, I'd love to know footballers what like. who are making as much as most of our listeners would might make in a, a year or two years of their job? They're, they're making it in a week or less. Um, yeah, but it, the, yeah, your role, seemingly, if I remember it correctly, was that they have the ability to go and talk to you about things that challenge them so that they weren't fearing that if they told their coach or their manager or someone involved in selection that they might miss you know, a game or they might not be renewed on their contract coming forward because they might be seen as too high-maintenance of players. Is that, is that pretty much one of you? Yeah, like there's a, a lot. I mean, if I focus particularly on my more recent experience with Manchester City, which to be fair does go back now uh, nine years, but the head of player care and support there, Red Sumo, one of the things that he was aware of is when we sign a player, we help them with their property, get themselves a lawyer, help their kids to find a school, uh, all those kind of things. But he was very aware that we didn't, he didn't feel the club was doing enough to kind of like psychologically and emotionally support players. But what we've kind of done is not positioned me is if you've got a problem, go and see Paul. But it was more I'd watch the training, I'd eat with the players, and I wanted them to kind of get to know me as as a person. And one of the phrases, interestingly enough, that the head of player care and support said to me, he says, look, Paul, maybe don't refer to yourself as a sports psychologist because some of them get a bit freaked out by that. And kind of like you're going to analyze their childhood as to why they didn't score a goal last week. So for me, it's about being real and honest. And for me, it's also about having, um, I mean, when you first go to the Manchester City training ground, those first few days, I couldn't believe it that I'm sat next to Sergio Aguero. Um, Patrick Vieira, who's now managing in France, was was the under-21s coach. And to begin with, you're almost like pinching yourself, is this real? But but quite quickly, as I was going there quite regularly, I began to just see them as human beings who actually, guess what? You might be a multi-million pound soccer player, football player, but you could still have issues with your relationships. Your, your mum and dad could still get ill. Um, you, you could find that your kids are struggling at school. And these are legitimate things that actually impact all of us. And with wealth actually comes some kind of pressures, lots of hangers on and people who are um, telling you you should be in the first team and your agent saying this. Lots of different kind of challenges that those players experience. And I think it's fair to say most of my experience was with the players who uh, English was their first language as opposed to people who were foreigners. But I ended up like with one player. Um, he, he, his mother had died when he was five of cancer and he, he was involved in setting up um, a charity to support a cancer research. And what was really interesting was he said to me, I can play at Wembley Stadium. Uh, and I have no problem with that. I'm pumped up for it and I'm in my comfort zone and I want to excel. He said, but at this charity event that I'm going to be speaking at in two weeks time, he said, the thought of having to speak in front of, say, a thousand guests absolutely petrifies me. So I actually got involved in just helping him put his speech together and how to deliver it. So. It's a fascinating experience because, yeah, I'm with Premier League players, then I'm with children, uh, teachers who speak in primary schools. I've worked with uh, staff and nurses who work in hospices. It's been a whole uh, smorgasbord of clients and people, but there's quite a lot of things that unite us and connect us more than we sometimes maybe appreciate. 
Yeah, so just because you're making millions of pounds a year playing a sport you've you know got some natural gifts in and have loved to do from a, a young age doesn't mean you don't have any problems in your life. It just means you can arrive to those problems in style, right? Normally driving a Range Rover yeah. and, um, <laughs> you know, you've, you've, you're probably wearing a, a nice Brioni cut suit and uh, all those sorts of things, but the challenges are still there. And I think, yeah. you know, one of the things that I love about your, your particular lessons is that it's applicable across all age groups, across all ethnic ethnic backgrounds across every aspect that anyone who could be listening to this podcast you know the stuff in sumo works the stuff in you know know, the stuff you do is time tested Paul we know it's it's great stuff and it's working incredibly well with um, you know millionaires it's working you know very well with single mums it's working with young children it's working right across the planet and that's one of the things that we love I think it's I mean in the end I, I guess uh, almost by evolution rather than by revolution. It wasn't a case that I've set out to try and do it this way. But, um, yeah, I, I suppose I'm really keen to make my messages sticky and memorable and simple. And I want people not to just to be, go, you know, I don't want to just stimulate your intellect. I want to kind of impact your heart, your emotions, but also give you some practical tools that you can use immediately. So one of my uh, my ideas, which again is about mindset, but perhaps in a, in a way that sometimes we don't talk about, is I talk about, remember, the beach ball. And so I've got this six-coloured beach ball. When I hold it out in front of my audience, I'm seeing three colours, say blue, white and green. They're looking at the same beach ball as me. And from their perspective, they're seeing red, yellow and orange. And one of the things that I find, and I say to people, you know, sometimes let's shut up thinking our perspective is the only perspective there is here and move on to see where other people are coming from. And I was coaching a senior executive uh, around presentation coaching, and I used the beach ball metaphor about maybe trying to understand things from your audience's perspective as well, rather than just communicate your own. When I got home that evening, I got an email from him, and he said, and he was a really, really sort of high-flying chemical executive working with Shell, and he said to me, Paul, you have helped me in thinking about how I present more. He said, but what was really interesting is when I got home this evening, I had a beach ball conversation with my 15-year-old daughter, and it's probably the best conversation I've had with her in two years because I realized I wasn't taking any time out to understand her side of the beach ball. So I, I love the fact we're setting up something called the Sumo for Schools Foundation, um, where we're going to be developing more and more resources just to help young people kind of like deal with some of the challenges of life, but not just deal with the challenges but also understand how to achieve and fulfill their potential as well. I don't want uh, Sumo to be positioned as if you've got a problem, Sumo will help, although it will. I just want you to think, look, we have this gift of life. How can we maximize it to benefit ourselves and to benefit others? So, uh, yeah, I absolutely love what I do, and I'm super passionate about it. Paul, just something you touched on earlier was about the pace of life as, as some of the things you've come across. And uh, would yeah. that be one of the, the bigger challenges you're coming across now with people? I mean, with technologies sort of moving at a rate of knots, there's so much outside noise. Um, you mentioned before about, you know, um, the well-being, what you're reading, the mental diet and so forth. There's so much to listen to. There's so much put right in front of you now, whether it's a TED Talk, a YouTube clip. Uh, there's so much happening there. How are you finding people are dealing with the pace of life and what would your tips be for this? Okay, I'm very aware of what I would almost call information overwhelm. Um, I I think we're desperately crying out for some wisdom 
um, but we're just being overwhelmed with with information. And what I found for myself is, and it's something which I've just become a little bit more intentional about. I I love social media; it's my way of connecting with people. Um, I like sharing some of hopefully my motivational little thoughts. And uh, Rick loves to kind of like uh, make some interesting comments about my attempts of humour on Facebook. But what I've realised is. Because of my active interest, particularly on the whole Brexit debate that's going on in the UK at the moment, is I started to consume myself and become overwhelmed with every side of the argument. And then I'd start to read all the comments on Twitter and everything. And what I've realized is this, that I now need to decide, okay, when I am consuming information, first of all, does it inform me? Does it help me? So there are some articles I read about neuroscience and how the brain works and, and about well-being. I'm thinking, yeah, that ticks that box. It's information. Am I getting some inspiration? Um, it's, it's like breathing a bit of life into me, making me feel more hopeful about the future and about myself. And sometimes, is it just entertaining me? Is it causing me to smile? What I realize, guys, is that sometimes I hadn't put those kind of criterias into my mind. So I was actually consuming things that wasn't informing me so much or inspiring me or entertaining me. It was draining my emotional energy. It was actually impacting my, my psychological well-being. And what I'm finding with people is perhaps we're not being um, proactive enough. We're thinking about the filters we use to consume all the information that is out there. And for me, what has become a really, really important thing to overcome this is um, I, I'm trying to build into my schedule. Yes, I go to the gym, but I'm actually going to the gym probably less than I used to. And when I get an opportunity, I am going for walks. And guess what I'm doing? Well, I'm on those walks and I'm out in nature. Um, I'm listening to podcasts like Voices of Value and other things. And I try and try to get a rich tapestry, if you like, of ideas and insights from different kinds of fields. And what what was really interesting was today I went for an early morning walk. It was it was pitch dark here, um, and I just went for a walk. And I decided not to listen to a podcast, but just to kind of have some good conversation inside my inside my head. What I can be thankful and positive about because I think gratitude is something we just need to keep on working at. And you know, as I was walking, I just began to hear the birds starting to almost like wake up and start to sing. And I'm thinking beautiful moment there was no one else on the road so it was just a few cars I didn't go past any other people and I'm thinking I need to sometimes seek out silence or seek out stillness or seek out some solitude and I think connect it might sound a little bit kind of hippie but connecting with nature uh, and getting outdoors, which is obviously a very natural thing, a normal thing for you guys to do in Australia. But, you know, in the winter months in the UK, you have to be more intentional about doing that. And so for me, just connecting with nature, being outside grounds me and putting in those filters in terms of what information I'm actually consuming um, is helping me to avoid some information overwhelm, which I think is a big problem for lots of people. Well, Paul, I think you've wrapped that up absolutely beautiful in terms of that. And throughout this podcast, throughout this uh, this chat that we've had, there is just so much. And I just, I just love your clarity around the whole thing. Like it's just, you just seem to have found just the your groove, your flow, whatever it may be. And the lessons that you're sharing, I just hope everyone's you know busily. This is this is one that you need to listen to and listen to again. Uh, because there's just so many, so much that's coming out. 
But what I find about you, mate, is that, you know, most people might think that you've just sort of instantly clicked your fingers and away it's all happened. This has been something that's happened over the better part of three decades for you to get to this point in your life. And it's all about living the lessons that you so eloquently teach all of your classes. And so if someone is listening to this podcast and want to connect with you, Paul, what's the best way of uh, getting in touch and just connecting with you direct? Sure. I mean, first of all, just check out the website, thesumoguide.com. And, and also have a look at um, on there. There's a link to my um, uh, YouTube channel. And I've got some videos out there that people might find useful. And feel free to use those videos. I don't know, share some if they're appropriate with the family or with your team. Um, secondly, if anyone wants to email me, um, my email address is paul.mcgee at thesumoguy.com. And I'm, I'm going to be out in Australia later this year in and I in August, and I just can't wait to reconnect with you guys. And um, apart from the UK, and I do, there's, I like going to the States, but Australia is one of my favorite places on the planet because I love your kind of noble attitude to life as well so i'm really excited to be going back to walls and i hope i might uh path cross paths with some of your listeners who knows well that would be their great fortune as well as yours my friend because i know the ability that you've got if you can get one-on-one uh, -on -one with Paul McGee. I've been very fortunate, and Pete knows this, that we had you as our guest in our home and our daughter still sort of loves talking about saying how I <laughs> – she can say the words, I love you in Lithuanian, um, all the things that you <laughs> But it, for our listeners to understand this, you know, um, as many of you know, our family is spread between our eldest son who will be uh, 27, for goodness sake, this year, and our uh, daughter is turning 14 uh, sort of next month. But Paul has the ability to connect with uh, all the generations, uh, all the different personality types, he understands that communications is the basis to great relationships. He understands that great relationships and great conversations start with the one you have with yourself, and he's very good at that. And if you read any of his works, you'll see time and time again he keeps on coming back to that fundamental point. And there, there are some time-tested uh, techniques here. I mean, that beach ball, there yep. wouldn't be – Paul, that has just – just so you know, that, that well and truly stuck with me. Been to many seminars, many conferences and so forth, but that is one thing that you shared that has well and truly stuck with me. And there's not too many people that have been in a coaching session with me that uh, that I haven't brought that up. And by the way, mate, I don't actually Brilliant. do it because I can't be bothered blowing right up. I just say tune in before you broadcast. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Just tune in before you broadcast. This guy from you know, hey, Warrington. Does your stomach muscles really good? Yeah, when you I just off. go, this guy, he brings his own props from the abs. What is a guy from Warrington doing buying all these beach balls? I, I, I think to myself, anyone who sells them to you must be thinking, what is this guy flipping mad? Like, what, I know. It, it is quite ironic. The guy from Manchester is doing that. Can I I just mention a couple of other things can I very do. briefly three other things to wrap up that sure. i think are really important as well um i'm a huge believer yet yeah, in having actions and goals and i absolutely love the bob wolf um uh, podcast fantastic stuff but also it's not just about having a to-do list it's about having a it's, it's having a to-be list who do you want to be as a person? And I think sometimes in the past I got so caught up in the doing as opposed to who do I want to be as a person? So that's a crucial thing for me. And it's something I see in both of you guys, not just you kind of like your success at work, but also your, your character as people. The, the second thing is 
you know, stay humble. We, we've lots of people achieve success, and that's fantastic. But if we're not careful, success can derail us and make us complacent. So it's like stay hungry, stay curious, always be a student because there's always things to learn. So humility helps big time. And then the third one is, yeah, there are some things that don't always go well in life. And the winter months in the UK and Brexit aren't brilliant. But you know what? That the importance of the attitude of gratitude, which is one of the cheesiest phrases on the planet. But you know what? It is so crucial. And, and on a daily basis, and then I actually write it on a weekly basis in a gratitude journal, I keep reminding myself of all the things to be thankful and grateful for. And there are a huge amount. So to be list, humility and gratitude. And we are grateful for the gift of your time because we know mm-hmm. how incredibly busy you are. You're a speaker not just in the UK but all throughout Europe, the United States. You've been you know, to all four corners of the globe and to be sharing so much time with us and our audience is something that Pete and I don't take for granted and it's not anything that we're going to take lightly, mate. We really appreciate it. I'm hoping that uh, all of our listeners get the same benefit that Pete and I have had with you in the sense of there's simplistic things to bring into play that are going to make a significant impact in your life okay well guys it's been an absolute privilege to share you know i love sharing life with you guys anyway so it has been a real privilege to to be asked to do this so thanks for the opportunity as well no thank you paul it's enormous amounts of benefit i know that people will just be so grateful we are very very grateful you're a great friend of ours and no doubt when you're in oz we will be catching up <laughs> yeah that's true yeah, we absolutely <laughs> will yeah because you've got to do a bit of the old pommy bashing haven't you it's been a while <laughs> since you did that to me yeah. just, um, and i always carry the card with my self-esteem counselor's details on so after i've seen you two i still get that psychological support from someone after you two guys have abused me well we just call it positive you know uplifting direct <laughs> communication and uh <laughs> yeah, Maybe, but then we end up we end up talking like you as well. I mean, Rick, I heard you just say flipping before. Like, you know, where'd that come from? <laughs> I, I love, one of the things I used to ask Paul, I'd say, hey, Paul, I've written this book. You know, can you have a can you have a quick look at it and see what you think? And then I didn't hear from him because he said, I'll go away for a week and read it and it'll all be good. And and then I finally got on to him like two weeks later. I said, uh, how'd it go? And he goes, look. If I'm being completely honest with you, <laughs> it was like Simon Cowell out of you know Britain's Got Talent. So why it's like, are you here? Is this really so- what you want to do? If it is, I might need to see you again in another few years. And I thought, wow, look at no, it's not true. Actually, in all seriousness, there's no way I would have had a book come out. There's no way I would have had any of that happen without this man's involvement. So, uh, if there's one thing I am incredibly grateful for is our friendship, mate. You've been incredible to me and my family and you've supported our son when he was in the UK playing cricket professionally at Leeds, which uh, he said that he spoke to you more than he spoke to me and uh, when you were travelling, you were making sure he was okay. So, you know, my wife loves you, which worries me on a few fronts, I must be, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but you are an important part of our world and I've been blessed to have you in mine and I know Pete and I have talked about you regularly and you've had Carol and Balderston, who's been on this particular podcast, yeah. rave about you. There's so many people that want me to say hello to you, but without wanting to bore our listeners too much further, what we are absolutely passionate about is you getting value for your exchange by listening to this particular podcast. And if you couldn't find it today, I suggest you no longer subscribe, just go on to something else because you need to fill your soul with something other than the good quality, the home truths, the absolute gold that was just delivered for you uh, one after another throughout this podcast. Paul, on behalf of all of our audience, Voices of Value, Peter and myself, we say thank you, my friend. All the best and more continued success to you and the sumo message. 
All right, really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Paul. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. If you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com and we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way. Value.